Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. I'm going to break down a quote for you in a second that once I understood it, it allowed me to go from a millionaire to a multimillionaire in short order. And I think a couple of you can do this because the good news is the difference between being an expert in business and being a novice is not the difference you probably think. My name is Jason Flatt. I'm the quarter billion dollar webinar master, and I am the best in the world, they say, the most expert at webinars. So let me break this quote down for you, and then I have to unpack it. Otherwise, it's too dense. But here's the quote. Studies of expert novice differences have demonstrated that experts' performance is determined not by superior problem-solving strategies or better working memory, but rather better knowledge base that includes a large interconnected set of domain-specific schematic knowledge structures, well-developed cognitive skills, automated knowledge, and metacognitive self-regulatory skills that allow experts to control their performance, assess their work, predict its results, and generally use the available knowledge base. There's gold in that quote, but just like real gold, we kind of got to mine it out and kind of figure it out. Now, that comes from a 1990 American psychologist, volume 45 scientific journal, because, you know, I go to those links to try to get an edge in business and try to figure things out. So I want to break this down for you, because the first thing is the difference, the biggest difference between experts and novices when it comes to cognitive functioning and cognitive loads and business is a cognitive game is the following. It's not problem-solving skills. So if you think, if I just get better at problem-solving, and if I get better at solving these different things, then I'll make more money. It's true, but it's not the biggest lever that you can pull. And it's the second one I think is important here, which is working memory. Now, working memory means juggling several bits of information out of the ether of your total knowledge base to pull from it the right information. Have you ever been in a situation where later on in the shower, you're like, damn, if I would have just said this instead of that, yeah, it's because the working memory wasn't functioning properly for you. So working memory is important, just like problem-solving skills are important, but they're lower down on the list when it comes to the leverage of how quickly can I go from beginner or novice into expert. And the difference between being an expert in the market and being a beginner in the market in business is the difference of millions and millions of dollars. So what do you focus on instead? The first thing you want to focus on is what this quote calls a large interconnected set of domain-specific schematic knowledge structures. Now, what the hell does that mean? Let's break this down. It means that you have a large amount of knowledge specifically related to a very zoned-in area of expertise. And not only do you have a lot about a little, so you know a lot about a little, but beyond that, you have this knowledge organized in ways so it's easy to access and it's easy to apply it to specific problems in that specific domain. So step one is you acquire a large amount of information about a very specific topic. The narrower, the better. So more on less. So get more information on smaller subject matters. But information alone isn't enough, my friend, because if you can't parse that information and if you don't know when or how to apply it, no bueno, no good. And so you have to make it highly accessible. We use mental models in order to do that, frameworks, which I'll talk a little bit more about 
here in a second. Now let's look at the second spot of the leverage to become an expert faster. It goes like this, well-developed cognitive skills, or what they refer to as automated knowledge. Now let's break down what that means. It says uh, to me, when I hear something like that and really worked it out was, you have practiced the skill so often, you don't have to think in order to do it. You can perform a certain task or you can access and process and act upon information as soon as you hit it and you have a super high efficiency of output. So the least amount of thought in to get the best result out. So I know 100, maybe 200 closes at this point in time. These are closes that I can use. By the way, you talk about schematic knowledge in a variety of different situations is I know how to calibrate a close in a one-to-one -one situation. I know how to do it in a one-to-few situation. And I know how to do it in a one-to-many situation. I know how to do it when there's interactivity, like in a live webinar. And I know how to do it when there's not interactivity, like in an automated webinar. And so these different areas that I have of domain-specific schematic knowledge, they network and they interconnect with each other. And I can do this automatically. So when I get an objection, I say, oh my God, this is a price objection. What should I do? Okay, well, here's the 15 different price objections that I know how to answer in response to this price objection. Let me think. I think number seven, yeah, I'll use that one. It doesn't work that way for experts. What happens is you just sense it. And oftentimes you're right, not every time, but you have this ability with minimum effort to say the right thing at the right time or to respond in the right way at the right time. So this person that comes to me with a price objection, I can almost instantaneously say for them, it's better to push back to challenge them. But for them over there, if I challenge them, I will break them. So it's better to start with empathy and lay that foundation instead. And these decisions happen in microseconds, milliseconds, and then the output, the, the questions that I can answer answer or the information that I can offer in that situation is better than what most people could sit down and if they spent 30 to 60 to 90 minutes to write the precise exact response to that question brought in could be as good as what I could do automatically. Now, that does not mean I'm a superhuman, amazing, one-of-a-kind genius. What it meant was once upon a time, little Jason Fladlin went to the Iowa City Public Library when he decided to embark on his sales career and he was broke. He slept on the floor because he couldn't afford to pay for a bed. And I learned in a book one day that, hey, you should memorize closes. So I'd take out three by five note cards. I'd write closes on them. I'd carry them around in my pocket and three, four, five, ten times a day, I'd pull them out and I would read them word for word. I know it's amazing how boring it is, the effort involved to become a millionaire. It's boring until it isn't though. So you have to automate the knowledge set. So I would rather you know less, but have it memorized and can recall it instantaneously. Because then through being in the field, taking action, actual stakes involved, not just in the laboratory, you will calibrate more over time. You'll say, oh, in this situation, when I say this, when I'm reading from memory, this memory in here and systematically applying, this happens. So I can adjust that, which then goes to the third point of that quote, what they refer to as metacognitive self-regulatory skills. So let's plain speak that. This allows you to take a look at your own thought process, not just be a victim of thinking. Most people are unfortunately a victim of their thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts, the ants that run through their life, the picnic of their life, the ants are the automatic negative thoughts. And they don't have the ability to step outside of their own thinking and observe themselves thinking. That's a big level skill. So monitoring your own thought processes, assessing your own performances, 
and then predicting the outcomes of future performances or actions that you will take and making adjustments as needed. So this is really tough. Most novices, they are so bad at predicting when they're going to act on something and the result of that action. So I think about a lot of writers, people that want to write, and they'll say, I'm going to write a book. And then if you ask them to predict how many chapters will you have done in the next month, they're going to give you a number. And then if you were to check in with them at the end of the month, novices are so bad at predicting the actual output. And here's the problem with that, because they want to overcompensate. So they want to put a large number up on a vision board somewhere and say, I'm going to go and do that. And then when they are off on that prediction, they feel really crummy about it. And so they're not likely to go back and try it again. So if you're a beginner, I'd rather you shoot for a very low goal initially and achieve it. I'd rather you focus on the accuracy of your prediction of the outcome than on actually improving the outcome. Because this forces metacognition. This forces you to be able to observe yourself more as a third party, more objectively than unfortunately subjectively. It's like proofreading your own work right now. Good luck with that. It's like reading the label inside of the jar is the quote that I heard once. And so once you get better at predicting your outcome, then you can better influence it. You can say, okay, now if I try it this way versus that way, does that increase or does that decrease the output? And now you take less personal stake in the output and you can treat it more like a scientist. So your ability to self-regulate is more important than your ability to problem solve or your ability to have working memory that you can draw from in a knowledge base. I think self-regulation now is more important than ever. Now let's focus on the bottom half of that quote. When they talk about because of these three functions that we just discussed, essentially self-regulation, automated knowledge, and a large connected set of domain-specific types of information. The output of that as an expertise is you can better control your performance, you can better assess your work, and you can better predict its results and generally use the available knowledge base. So I kind of stepped over this when I was talking about the last point, kind of already started answering this point. But let's break this one down a little bit further. Controlling your performance. When you're at the beginning, you have no control over your performance. You hope and you pray that you just perform at all. When you start to gravitate towards expert territory, you learn to modulate your performance. So sometimes it makes sense to speed up something or to go fast and be less deliberate and more efficient in terms of speed. So you'll say, okay, the quality doesn't matter so much right now as the quantity does. But just as easily, you can modulate down. You could say, okay, for now, it's better to slow down and focus more on quality as opposed to quantity. Here's where we should be more cautious and here's where we should be less cautious. Here's where we should refine an existing approach versus here's where we should create a new approach. And this is the difference between masters and amateurs. Amateurs have very little ability to control their performance. They hope and they pray that they put in any sort of performance. And they're generally one-dimensional. They're either just or they're either deliberate, 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 deliberate. They're either too rigid and structured. I got to follow this by the letter of the law or they're no structure. And it's crazy. It's like a Pollock painting on a webinar slide deck, for example. Like, what the hell is that? thing even be. And we want to get to the point where we can be nuanced 
and we can be flexible so we can give the right dosage of action and effort to the right situation. And so this is what the experts do well, but they do it based on the foundation of what we discussed before. So this is the clues to check in on. Am I able to do this? Am I able to modulate what I know to apply it specifically to this context and then measure its result and see improvement over here? The second one then is, is the sister to that, which is accessing your work. Can you critically evaluate your own performance without taking it too personal? If you can do that, your ability to grow from novice to expert, you will hyper accelerate that. So your ability to recognize a mistake that's been made and spend so little time feeling something, you can feel that, but the quicker you can get over that feeling, like if you could reduce that down to a second or two and then objectively say, okay, this was the mistake. This is how I can correct this. This is how I can adjust that. Then you're going to do really well. Being able to know out of the hundred things that I can do right now to improve my output, this is the one thing I need to focus on at the expense of everything else. And here's the last one. And I think this is really important. It gets undervalued when it shouldn't is acknowledging when you've done well. If you can't do that, then you don't create a positive reinforcement to these done well behaviors. And so you're less likely to repeat them and grow upon them, magnify them, make them even bigger in the future. So positive reinforcement is the best way that you can increase the output of a behavior. And so knowing objectively when to say well done. Now, some people say well done when it wasn't well done. And delusion does not lead to expertise. It just leads to more delusion. And so we then can self-evaluate and then we can continue to learn and improve in a way that makes us better and makes us feel better inside too. Now, let's talk about this last thing related to the quote in terms of use the available knowledge base. So experts aren't dictionaries or encyclopedias that just have a large knowledge base. They're good at knowing which volume of the encyclopedia to pull out and which page to flip it to, to access the knowledge base. So this information is relevant over here. It's less relevant over here. And I just did this recently with a high-end mastermind. We have this Driven Mastermind. It costs $25,000 a year to be a part of. It's got to be a seven-figure business called Driven Mastermind. And we had this hot seat. And Natasha was her name. And they were asking us this very structural process of a launch. And they were saying, okay, how many videos should we have? What should be the communication? How should we roll this out? What should the structure of the offer be? And it was a lot. And generally, that's a really good approach. But I took one look at their business and I, say, I said, to, it was her and her husband, Kyle. And I said to them, you just got to let people know this thing exists. I said, for the amount of people you're taking on in round one of this to try this new thing out, you just got to, a tweet would sell this thing out. And I gave them the tweet, essentially. It wasn't a tweet. I think they put it on Instagram. I don't know where they put it, but it sold out just like that. So they had spent months at this point overthinking and overanalyzing this thing because even though they were an expert over on this agency side of what they do in business, this launch model was new to them and how should they launch it. And everywhere they look, because general information will tell them, you got to launch it either this way or this way. You got to have this type of rollout structure and these funnels and blah, 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 blah. But I took one look at it and said, you just got to make an offer any offer and you'll fill it out and you'll sell it out. Now there's things you can do to set it up so the future is even more powerful, but let's just make the offer so you can quit wasting time thinking about what you should do and just start helping people and making some profit. And so they were able to hear that 
and apply that. And then they sent me a really favorable, kind testimonial as a result of that. And they're like, yeah, you were right. And so I was able to apply all the information because I kind of showed them 15, 20 different strategies from an email perspective, from a video perspective, from a webinar perspective, from a funnel perspective. I got to show them all sorts of different communications, but I was able to prescribe the right information to them at the right time and they were able to apply it. So it's really generally speaking, what's the least amount of information that I need to access in order to apply this and be effective. So if you're saying, Jason, what are my action steps? Give me three things that I need to do right now at the end of this video so I can become an expert sooner and make more money and help more people. So step number one, create mental models. So it's not just enough to have the information. You have to organize it in a way so it's easy for you to access it and apply it. So if you've ever seen my webinar, placemat, as I like to call it, on one eight and a half by 11 flip sideways, I can show you my whole webinar formula. These are the five things I like to do in the introduction. These are the structure for communication and content. These are the three things I do in transition. This is how I create an offer, and this is how I reveal it. This is where I put the price in. These are how I position bonuses. These are the scarcity that I can consider using for this offer. That is a mental model. And now once I have that mental model, I can do all sorts of things and be flexible with it and color outside the lines and adjust it and blah, blah, blah. So whatever you're trying to do, create some sort of rudimentary mental model, even if it's basic and even if it omits or deletes 95% of the relevant information, at least you have a model to go off of. Second, get to automaticity as fast as you possibly can. The goal of thinking about something is to get to the point where you no longer have to think about it in order to achieve it at a high level. So if that means memorizing something to start with, and it could be a very small thing, then that means memorizing it. If it means taking your mental model and memorizing it. So you don't even have to look at the model anymore consciously and you can apply it. Then that means that because I have mental models right now that have 50, 100, 200 pieces of information and I don't even have to look at them. But at some point in time, I just kept making the mental model more and more and more complex. But then I would memorize the model and not have to think about it, make it automatic. So make more stuff automatic, make less stuff conscious. And third, monitor your regulation. What I mean is focus more on the accuracy of predicting your output versus actually increasing the output itself. So I want you to get better at accurately predicting your future when it comes to the actions you take. So start with really small, simple actions so you can be right. And then when you're right with the predictions of the outcome, then you can adjust the setup and see if that improves the outcome. And you, my friend, it will seem weird at first and different. That's why it works so good. So you can accelerate the expert level of knowledge that you can apply to your business and you will get paid like an expert. And experts get paid exponentially more than novices. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.